while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Oh, and and he's Chris McCarthy. And uh, we've got like just about all the statewide candidates on tonight. And we're actually starting with Attorney General nominee, uh, Andrea Campbell. Hi, Andrea. Oh, the phone slider's down. Andrea? Hello? Yeah, can you hear me? Good evening. Yep. <clears throat> hey, how's it going? going well. Sorry. Time. I'm just dealing with the technical stuff uh, on the fly. So, so, um, so Andrea, uh, it's been a long campaign. I saw you in the South Coast uh, on on uh, Saturday um, in Fall River at Battleship Cove, rallying with um, uh, Desag- Senator DeZaglio and Mayor Hero. Uh, why was it important to make the South Coast one of your final campaign stops in the very valuable days before uh, Election Day? Well, we've been, you know, crisscrossing the state and, and really getting into those communities and, and regions that feel left out, left behind. I understand we're a Boston-centric state. I get it. Um, and so for me, it's been really important to show up, and particularly in the South Coast region, where folks have just been so so supportive, um, especially in the primary. We just said we have to keep coming back. We have to keep mobilizing folks. Um, never want to take anything or anyone for granted. So I was really happy to be there at that canvas. We had so many volunteers willing to go with door knock yeah. for some critical races. Um, so I'm just really excited. And if anything, we can't slow down and won't until 8 o'clock tomorrow night. So we're speaking with um, former Boston City Councilor Andrea Campbell, who is the Democratic nominee for uh, Attorney General. So... Uh, yeah, at the Fall River standout, you talked about some of the things that uh, the attorney general can do, uh, why you should care about the attorney general election. Can you um, go over those again for the uh, for the audience? Yes, I've been stressing one, mental health, which I was in the North Shore today and I'm talking about issues of mental health, especially the uptick in depression, anxiety amongst our kids and access to behavioral health services that are accessible and affordable you should care about this race, economic prosperity, inflation, housing affordability, just how expensive it is to live in Massachusetts. I think an AG's office can do a lot in the context of economic prosperity. Um, everything having to do with the Supreme Court, of course, and just basic protections. Um, the list is long, and I've been stressing that's why folks should care. And then, of course, we got out there to really push folks to vote for me um, and to really talk about my painful story and, and my relationship to struggle that I know so many families are experiencing, but stressing that government can be really responsive to folks' needs if they show up. And that's what I want to do, show up, but also work in partnership with residents on the ground. So um, we're speaking with Andrea Campbell, who's uh, on the ballot tomorrow for you to vote for, for Attorney General. Um, Ms. Campbell, the um, 
One thing we really appreciated, what a friend of the show you've been. You've really gotten the votes, uh, taken the votes of South Coast seriously. Um, that being said, uh, things look pretty good for you, and should you be elected Attorney General, can you make a commitment to Marcus and I and the, our listeners that you'll be returning at some point, although you're going to be very busy, we recognize that. Can we get a guarantee that you'll be coming back to tell us what your office is doing? Absolutely. I, I was just on another local radio station. There is none. There is none. We're the only one. <laughs> well, <laughs> you guys are good. And you're not struggling for any resources. <laughs> so, I, um, but I, I just, I was just stressing in a previous conversation uh, in Plymouth County um, that the local pay stations, just local lets have been critical to my success in this race, especially in that primary, which of course is a hard fought primary. Yeah. We're not taking anything for granted in this general election, uh, but these were the outlets that were getting out the information to their voters and residents, making sure they had information to go out and vote. Um, and more so than the mainstream media that was trying to catch up, uh, critical. And you can't govern effectively if you don't have relationships with folks on the ground. So look forward to coming back, maintaining relationships, of course, going to work hard to get there tomorrow. Right, uh, but yes, you do have that commitment. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. So, when you uh, another commitment that you we had talked about that you had made um, was uh, to um, sort of uh, work on um, expanding the reach of the New Bedford office. Uh, uh, the attorney general has a few field offices. One of them is downtown in New Bedford. Um, can you uh, explain how uh, you do that? So, yes, there are several regional offices in New Bedford, Worcester, Springfield, and many don't know that they even exist, including folks who live in that immediate community. So I think it's, one, important to strengthen them by just getting information out there, that these offices exist, are there to not only push forward policy, but to also help with constituent services, of cases, work with local electeds and others to get things done. Um, I think... You have to review the offices to figure out which offices need more human capital and support and staff. Um, I believe in hiring folks from the community that speak different languages, are culturally competent. That's critically important because we know our communities are diverse. So I think there's a whole host of ways to strengthen the offices so that they are effective and more effective in reaching people and delivering results for families uh, in those uh, respective communities. So we're speaking with Andrea Campbell. Uh, she's the former Boston City Council president, and she's the Democratic nominee for attorney general. So, um, Andrea, I, I, again, we do appreciate how available you've made uh, made yourself to this media and local media in general, and that you understand the importance of local media and the presence that you made in the South Coast. Um, before we let you go, if you want to make one uh, final pitch to our audience. One, get out and vote. Um, I've been showing up, you know, obviously I'm a Democrat, but I'm telling folks whether you're independent, Republican, Democrat, you can vote in this race. Mm -hmm. And for me, regardless of how you identify, I want to earn the support of Massachusetts residents. I've stressed how significant the AG's office is being able to help families thrive economically, uh, healthy when it comes to health care, when it comes to their children. There's a lot the office can do. I have struggled much of my life early on. Um, and I've stressed you know, the loss of my parents, my grandparents, my twin brother, and always turning that pain into purpose to help others. That leadership won't change as the next AG, but to get there, I need folks to take a risk on me, if anything, exercise their right to vote tomorrow. Uh, and when I get there, I won't forget who put me there. I will remain accountable to the people and make sure the office continues to be the people's lawyer representing the people's law firm. 
So I hope folks get out to vote tomorrow. I hope to earn their vote tomorrow. And, um, and look forward to seeing you uh, in person at some point soon. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that as well. Well, Andrea, I'm a Republican, but you have impressed the hell out of me with your personal story. So good luck tomorrow. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for having me. Really appreciate it. And enjoy the rest of your night. Thank you, you too. Thank you. So that was Andrea Campbell, former Boston City Council president. She is the Democratic nominee for attorney general. It really was a hard-fought hard hard primary. It really was. She was up against an extremely successful lawyer who had all the money she ever needed in the world. Yep. Um, and used it. Oh, yeah. Miss um, Reardon. And, and she um, still came out 15 points ahead. Right. It was so. a... Um, and look, if you, if you don't know what... But you don't know Andrea Campbell's story, you can't be anything but impressed by yeah. it. Really, guys, I don't care how tough your child. Well, I shouldn't say I don't care. I obviously sympathize with people who have tough childhoods. She had a really tough childhood. Yeah, it's definitely a, a, a profile in, uh, in courage and uh, resilience. Yeah. So uh, we're taking our break a little bit early, uh, just because I need to. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be back. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy, Marcus Farrow, and uh, a whole slate of statewide candidates. Oh. That was great. That was a great start to the show. Yeah, I, I, I like her. I like her quite a bit. Yeah. I probably if I if I drilled down on the issues, I would probably disagree with her, but um the first thing I look for, Marcus, is someone that seemed like a decent person. Yeah. Right? I mean, everything else from there is debatable, right? I mean, I'm willing to go back and forth and tell them they're wrong. Yeah. Or, or feel I'm wrong, right? I have right. I have things to learn. But if they're a good person, yeah. Particularly in the job of the <clears throat> attorney general. I look at the attorney general's tremendous amount of power, on, right? Yeah, yeah. You have to be empathetic towards people. Yeah. That's really a key, key characteristic for that job. You are representing them, all, all 7 million people in the Commonwealth. So it's an important job. And you uh, could do real harm if you're not. Competency and empathy is important, and you could do a lot of real harm, and you, and you wouldn't be accountable for it, basically, right. if right. you're elected. Yeah. So. <clears throat> Uh, we got some time before Anthony Amore calls in. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. It is a little bit tighter scheduled uh, in the 8 o'clock hour, but for now we've got, you know, Anthony Amore will be joining us uh, in a few minutes. So we'll be taking your calls. We've got everybody else, too. We've got Jay McMahon, Andrea Campbell's opponent. We've got uh, Anthony Amore. We've got... Um, We've got uh, Jeff Deal, we've got Leah Cole Allen, we've got Kim Driscoll, and of course we have uh, uh, we have Dinah Desaglio, and of course we have uh, Sheriff Hodgson and, and Paul Harrow uh, to end uh, our our candidate call-ins. So you might have heard of them. So uh, <laughs> they might have mailed you something. I was at a standout today actually uh, for the sheriff, and it was quite a it was quite a turnout. I've been covering the events actually because I saw Andrea Campbell and Desaglio. In Fall River at Battleship Cove, that was a big turnout too. And then I saw uh, Driscoll um, in Kim Driscoll in in uh, Sunday in New Bedford. That was also a big turnout. Um, and they were with uh, it was Mayor Hero, uh, Rep Cabral, and uh, Shane Burgo. Well, Shane Burgo gave a great speech. Actually, I was I was very impressed with it. I haven't you know I've seen him in the council meetings and stuff, but I haven't really seen him uh, use his uh, oratory skills. And I thought it was very. Um, Thought he was impressive. So, a lot of enthusiasm around the race, and uh, we'll we'll hopefully be able to call it tomorrow because we're going to be here for five hours. So, Marcus, we've been telling people to go vote for a long time. Yeah, tomorrow is your last. Yeah, opportunity. you shouldn't just stay home. If you, <laughs> if we're you, telling you we changed our minds. Right, right. We changed our minds. I don't stay tr- I don't, home. I don't trust you. I don't. Tr- 
<laughs> you don't deserve to vote. I don't, I don't trust you. After 2016, I don't trust anybody. So <laughs> nobody vote. <laughs> so if you you know a couple couple important things. Early voting is over. It is. You have to go tomorrow to the polls. Yep. No excuses. Let's grab a little uh, pencil or a pen. You fill in the bubble. I would make a suggestion that you go online if you're not 100% sure um, where you're voting. Um, I went online to check. I swear to God, if I get one more text bank, I've gotten like four just, just today. <laughs> so I got one from the, from, the, from the question one people. Oh, yeah. And I said... Um, Buzz off, you communist. And um, they said, we'll take you off the list. And I sent them back a heart. You know, just <laughs> right, joking yeah, around. Yeah. But cause I really was just joking around. You forget it could be some kid, right? So no, no, they don't know what yeah. the hell they're doing. Um, the, uh, it's funny. All well, those people that mess with text bankers, I'm like, it, you're just, it's like you said, it's just some person trying right. to do their job. It's right. not like. Right. So Natalie was, we were talking about it uh, over the weekend about how much mail she's gotten, right? Yeah. She's getting phone, she's in the teachers union. Um, she's at the university level, but it's all the same union. It's MPA yeah. now. And um, she's been getting a ton of phone calls. MTA has been very involved in one, one uh, at least question one. Right. So yeah. she's getting a ton for question one. Yeah. Um, primarily. And the um, text messages, um, phone calls, of course, mail. And she said, why am I getting all this? I said, well, because you're a deuce bang member of the union. Yeah, right. I said, if you're not with them, and she's not, right? Um, she's also got her MBA, so she understands math and she owns, yeah. her, ho she owns her house. So um, she knows that it's not her question, right? Right. Um, that's, you know, if, you, if, you, yes. if you've got assets, you probably need to think, think about question one. Where are you going to be? Not today, but where are you going to be yeah. in 30 years? 30 years from now, if you sell your house, you might get 96 cents on the dollar for every dollar over a million. And then you got to think about that. Changing the Constitution, as, as Chris Markey, the Democrat, told us, is the real problem here. But my point being is that it's putting people are being overwhelmed, but it's all about to come to an end. It's funny. I'm watching the, the commercials this yeah. morning. As I've told you, folks, I watch the Boston Channel and the Providence Channel to get a sense of what's going on and, mm. and uh, to monitor these commercials. And I thought to myself, all these ad reps are going to have a nice Christmas, um, but these ads are all about to go away. Yes. Right. All yeah, about yeah. to go away. So actually, I was talking to a, um, a friend last night when we were watching uh, Sunday Night Football. Was it Sunday Night? What's today? Monday? Yeah, Sunday yeah, Night Sunday. Football. Yep. And they said there was a ton of ads. He's like, oh, my God, these ads. You know, and I was like, who who are the ads for? And he said, I don't know. I said, well, they're not working. <laughs> right, right, right. And then, and then he had an interesting question uh, that he was wondering, like, dollar to vote. Like how much you spend? Like every hundred dollars is a voter, and you, like I wonder what the ratio is. I, what I said to him was, I don't know that the answer to that question. I do know like mailers can usually be about a dollar a piece, which gets pretty expensive. Oh yeah, but those are always well targeted. So are text banks, so are phone banks. Those are always well targeted. So you're getting the most bang for your buck. But with a TV ad, I don't know how I don't know what the dollar to vote ratio would be because um, you're really you're you're everybody who doesn't pay attention or not pay attention, but everybody who isn't as participative in our democracy, democracy um, which is the same thing, just sounds nicer, right. uh, is is watching that, right? Yes. And like I, he, he was like, I don't know. There's you know? no better place to find an audience than the football games. Yeah, of course. It did. That's why they always run during the football it's games. It's why there's so much money in professional football. The yes. TV contracts. You're yeah. never going to get a better audience. Yeah. Right? I mean, all Their those ratings eyeballs. monster. They yeah. win everything. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, it's funny though, Marcus. I was talking with someone who's interested in the Ward Three race. 
interested in running for the office. Yeah. And I was just giving him, as I will give to any candidate who, who wants to ask me my opinion on what yeah. how, how it works. Um, I said, look, um, you need to start out with radio. Not just because I'm working at a radio station, it's not going to affect me at all, but that so many people listen to the radio yeah. who are interested in politics. Right. It's the only way you can mass stimulate the audience. Well, let's um, act, let's actually talk about that because yeah. we broke some news, and I can tell that everybody's interested because I again I get the numbers, right. so I can tell everybody's interested in this news um, that we broke on our show on Friday night that um, Hugh Dunn is resigning. Right. Yes. He is resigning, and he's resigning because he has a job in Boston. He's commuting. He's done it for eight months, and he's miserable. Right. Uh, and so he can't he can't uh, reasonably split time between his job at a major personal injury firm in Boston and be a full uh, you know really what is a full time job being a city councilor. Yes, if you do it right. So he's mur- he, so he yeah exactly. Well, that's the point. He wants to do it right, and he doesn't want to he doesn't want to do it half half fast. So he's he's stepping down, uh, effective December first. Right. Um, it's. First of all, uh, I want to thank New Bedford Light for making us sound very funny. Right, <laughs> I really, I <laughs> really right. did love their their column because it it, it it really it really highlighted how funny I think we are. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I did. I, thought, I enjoyed I thought it. Anastasia did a nice job. Of it. I, I I think she did too. Um, but uh, you know, I think that with that race, I you know, I think about like who are we looking at? Like who's going to be the next Ward Three Councilor? You know. I talked to Lisa Lemieux. I've talked to some other people that might be interested, right? And there's there's no one's committed either way because this news is still pretty fresh, yes. right? So I think like you know all those people that ran in the in the in the the campaign twenty in twenty seventeen, about three or four of them were former elected officials. Correct. Yeah. So they were known to the the voters, right? right. So Hugh Dunn at that time was known to. Sitting you. Right? He was known to being you, yeah, but he's known to Bill Keating. He was known to yes. he was known to the fire unions because he was a district rep, right? He was known to people that are more civic the more civically engaged people because he did the work as a district rep. But he wasn't known to the broad electorate. Right. He was just he just kind of came on the scene like a thirty one year old attorney with a great resume, the perfect resume for the job. And so I wonder if there is another Hugh Dunn out there, like a like a young sort of uh professional with a, a resume for um that lends itself well to a, a legislative uh, uh seat. So one of the things, Marcus, that we're we're committed to doing is that We'll try to get all those people who, who want to get on, who are interested in running, mm-hmm. through here so we can help you folks evaluate them. And, but now we're getting the people who are going to be on the ballot tomorrow. Correct. One of them is Anthony Amori, who should be with us right now. Hey, Anthony. Hey, how you doing? Good. Excellent. Excellent. So um, how it's it's been a long campaign i remember you came down with chris and i uh, uh after the feast and spent an hour with us to talk about your platform you've been on a few times um how are you, you your race is is slated as frankly one of the winnable races for the gop statewide um how are you feeling about that you know uh it, over the last i don't know 48 to 72 hours uh so many people have asked me that and the honest answer is I, I don't know. I just feel like we put everything out on the, uh, we left it all out in the field. We've worked really hard and focused only on getting our message out. And um, we haven't run any internal polls. I just know that we have people excited about our campaign. And um, people, we, we really feel like we got our message out there by going to 
local communities, like being on your show a few times and, and getting out to, to people, not just focusing on the big media outlets. And um, so we feel confident going into tomorrow. So Charlie Baker's really pulled out all the stops for you. Um and he hasn't for really anybody, any other statewide candidate. He actually hasn't endorsed any other statewide candidate. He hasn't even said who he's voting for because he's so steadfastly, um, he's so steadfast in his commitment to your campaign. Why is that? You know, first of all, it's a huge honor for me, and I think you guys understand why. But I, I think it's because he and I are uniquely aligned in the way we view government. We, we, we are of like mind when we think about dealing with, uh, you know, dealing with problems in a, in a tough way, but dealing with people in a kind way, in a, a soft way, and, and focusing not on political divides and partisanship and fighting the other party or infighting within the party, but just focusing on doing the job, delivering for the people of Massachusetts, not worrying about labels, but worrying about what's best for the taxpayer, for the resident of Massachusetts, and that sort of philosophy appeals to both of us and that's the only way we would I, I don't want to say govern because the auditor doesn't really govern the auditor serves um but i think it's the same approach to government that uh, we both have and that's why he's been so steadfastly uh, supporting me so uh anthony you you bring you uh, we thought you were very inter interesting and um uh, you have a, a real nice resume uh for this job Talk a little bit about some of the skills and some of the experiences you've had in the past that you think are reasons people should vote for you. Well, thank you for saying that. I, the, the skills that I have, you know, in, in a nutshell, it, it, it equates to more than 30 years of doing investigations and audits and inspections. And, you know, when you work in the security field, you're in a constant state of audit. I don't think people understand that. You're constantly looking at your operation and auditing it to see how effective it is in so many different ways. And I've, I've done that for the federal government. I ran the compliance and enforcement branch for Homeland Security, TSA in Boston. I built it. Um, there wasn't one before I came along. And then I helped build it for the country. Uh, and I even have a business on the side currently, aside from my work as an investigator for the Garden Museum, um, where I work alongside the FBI and the Justice Department. I also uh, do audits on the side uh, with through my own business. So. I just have done this work for over 30 years in, in, in uh, inside government and outside of government. And alongside doing the actual work, I've uh, accumulated years of experience leading teams, leading organizations, ranging from 60 people to 1,200. And that's a key skill, you know, because the auditor's office is nearly 300 people. You have to know how to run a department, and I've, I've done this, and I think I think that's attractive to voters, that I really know how to do this job on day one, and that's not a, that's not a cliche. I can really do it on day one. Charlie Baker called you the most, candidate, uh, most qualified candidate for the office that's ever run for the office. Would you agree with that? Uh, well, you know, I think um, there have been a lot of really good candidates and a lot of good auditors over the years. Um, and I can, I, it's hard to say because I know there's only, there's only been two different auditors over the last 40 years. I, sure. I have a big fan of Mary Z. Connaughton, who uh, led the Women for Amore um, uh, uh, team in my campaign. I think that the governor is referring to the fact, though, that I have this unique skill set. And it's been for such a long time. And I've done these performance audits and compliance audits. And I went to school for this. I mean, this is what I studied in my master's program. Um, 
at, at the uh, Kennedy School, and I think I think that's what leads him to come to the conclusion that there's really never been someone more qualified than me. You know, most auditors come from the legislature, and that's not a background for a state auditor, and it shows. That's why, you know, today most people don't even know what the auditor does because it hasn't been a robust, active uh, organization. So, Anthony, um, you um, you actually have gotten some pushback from some of the the more jihadist wing of the Republican Party. Uh, and, I mean, look, I'm a Republican. I can say it. It's embarrassing, quite frankly. Um, we want guests to come back, Chris. Well, no. Re- <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. But really, I mean, it's, 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 you're a quality candidate, and um, most people in the Republican Party recognize it, but the state of our party now is... Why don't you leave... <laughs> the right. party. No, no, please don't. I guess is what I'm saying. Marcus is trying to recruit you. Uh, please, well. but but really, um, what are you, you know, what is your reaction to some, what some of these people are trying to do to you? Well, I'm glad you brought that up, Chris. Thank you for making that point. You know, um, some of the the most vocal and vicious, frankly, um, attacks on me over this campaign season have come from Republicans. There are people on social media who. Uh, not just attack me as a candidate, but attack me as a person, um, attack my family. Uh, It's really obscene. But, you know, uh, and and even towards, even to the sort of joke in there, Marcus, about leaving the party, um, I don't want extremists pushing me out of a party that I belong to. And the extreme wing of the Democratic Party has been vocally against me, constant drumbeat on social media, echoed by the far right. Um, but I don't want the extremists to support me because that's that's not who, that's not what the people are. The extremists make up a very loud but small um, faction on either side. Correct. The vast majority of the people in Massachusetts just want someone to go in and do the job honestly and the way it's supposed to be done with a vision towards them and their families. You know, the best part of this campaign is that going out to, um, frankly, to immigrant communities and marginalized communities in Massachusetts and talking to people and learn. And you know what's interesting is every time you talk to one of these groups of people, they're beautiful, wonderful people. And forget what the polls say that they care about. Every person says they just don't want to be overlooked and forgotten. And that really motivates me. You know, I don't care what the extremists say about me or what labels they put on me. It does bother me when they attack my, my family. But, um, but you know, you have to let that stuff go. It's, I said to someone today, you know, if you put your hand in a blender, you're going to get hurt. And that's right. politics, I think. <laughs> that's true. Yes. But, um, you know, I think, we're, I think I'm going to be fine. And I think that this, this real moderate centrist view is what appeals to people and is genuinely me. And I'm I'm happy with it. When the elect when the campaign's over, I can put my head in the pillow and say I represented myself the way I wanted to. Um, Anthony, I uh, appreciate you coming on. Uh, before we let you go, where are you going to be on election night? Uh, we're going to be at the Lennox Hotel on election night. Um, uh, it's probably be a, a smaller group of us, but um, we have, we you know we put out an invitation to a lot of people to come by if they'd like. Um, and we'll be uh, patiently watching. You know, for if a, for a Republican to win, it means a late night. You know, yeah. you're not going to have a cakewalk. It's true. So we're 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 going to hunker down. But I want to thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to be on the show a number of times this election season, and it's really been a pleasure. 
Yeah, we appreciate you making yourself available to us. And, um, and we expect you'll be back in the future, regardless of what happens with the election. Yeah. I'd love to. I would absolutely love to, guys. Thank Sounds you so good. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Anthony Amore. Real gentleman. I like him. Yeah. So um, we're going to take a break. Leah Cole Allen should be calling in at 945. So uh, stay tuned. This is Mar- uh, this is South Coast Tonight with Marcus Farrow, Chris McCarthy, and uh, everybody that you can vote for t- tomorrow. 1420 WBSM, where freedom of speech lives. Hey, it's Dana. Marcus McCarthy. South Coast Tonight is the place to react to all of the day's news and where they make some news of their own. Back to the talk now on WBSM. Yeah, so uh, welcome back to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. I'm Chris. And uh, Leah Cole Allen, the lieutenant governor nominee uh, that's running alongside Jeff Deal, she'll be joining us momentarily. Uh, actually, I'm getting a call right now. Why don't you talk so I can take the call? Okay. So, folks, again, as I was saying, that um, we um, we have tomorrow. That's our final deadline. Okay. That's your final option to vote. Um, I really don't care who you're voting for, but I'd like you to vote. Um, Politicians don't know who you're voting for, but your attendance, whether you voted or not, is a matter of public record. Um, When the election's over um, and the winners start to look at who, how did they win, you want to be as close to the mix as possible, your region, okay? Um, I would say that uh, make sure you go out and vote. Look, there's a lot of guys who've given up their life for our republic. We're joined now by Rep. Uh, Leah Cole Allen. Hi, Rep. Allen. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? Good. So um, uh, if you want to just, you know, briefly introduce yourself to the audience, tell us why you decided to uh, be Jeff Deal's running mate in this uh, in this election. Okay. Are we, is this live? Oh, yeah, yeah we're you're, live. You're on the air. Yeah. <laughs> you're on the air. Oh, okay, great. Well, thank you for having me on. Uh, yes, yeah, so uh, a little background about myself. My name is Leah Allen. I'm running to be the next lieutenant governor of Massachusetts. I am a wife. Um, I'm married to my wonderful husband, Ryan. He's a, a union, full, union elevator mechanic out of Local 4 Boston. We have two young kids, um, three and under. And I'm a former state representative. I served with Jeff Deal, and that's how we know each other, and that's how I know he'll make a fantastic governor. Um, and I'm also a registered nurse by trade. So when I left politics, I returned to my nursing career, and I worked up here on the North Shore at Beverly Hospital. I worked there right through the pandemic, even while I was pregnant with my son. And um, when I went out on maternity leave, that's when the uh, government mandates went into effect telling me that I had to choose between getting the COVID shot or losing my job. And I chose not to take the COVID shot. That was a personal decision. And I don't think the government should have been involved. And because of that, I lost my job. So that coupled with the fact that I was unhappy with how I saw the state government handle the pandemic where um, our small businesses were closed, but our big box stores were allowed to stay open and our kids were isolated from their peers for so long and lost so much in learning as well as their mental health being affected. Our economy is weighing heavy on everyone. And as a, a mother with a young family, I'm concerned about all of these issues. So it really motivated me to get involved in politics again. And when I saw Jeff Deal was running for governor, I at first just wanted to come out and support him as a citizen of Massachusetts, but then it kind of evolved where I jumped in to be the lieutenant governor candidate, and here we are, a day from the election. So, very exciting. So, uh, Rep. Allen, um, 
a lot's been said about the differences between Jeff Deal and Maura Healy. Not much has been said about the differences between you and Kim Driscoll. What do you think those differences are? Well, most recently, the difference is that I was willing to have a debate to let the voters know where we stand on the issues. And we were actually scheduled to have a debate on October 24th, but Mayor Driscoll pulled out at the last minute and uh, didn't didn't give us the time that she was available to reschedule. And I think that's really a disservice to the voters because although the lieutenant governor's race doesn't get as much attention, it's very important to know who that person will be if they're going to take over for the governor if they need to get um, be out of state or if they're unwell or anything like that. And I think that it's important that the voters know where she stands on taxes. I know as mayor, she's increased taxes in the city of Salem. Uh, she also implemented vaccine passports, and she was one of the only cities in the Commonwealth to do that of her own accord because that was kind of how she felt um, that she had that control over people. And she also forced high schoolers in her city to get that shot if they wanted to play their uh, sports that they loved. And if their parents wanted to come and watch them, they had to prove they were vaccinated also. And she had just very heavy-handed lockdowns on her small businesses. She hurt a lot of families and working people. And I think that the voters really deserve to know where she stands on that and if she wants to explain it. But unfortunately, she wasn't willing to do that. So, um, Representative, the um, lieutenant governor here in Massachusetts, um, unlike other states, has been given a lot of lot of um, things to do by the governor over the years, you know, from Salucci on down. Um what role will you play uh, in a deal administration? Have you folks talked about that? What What is your portfolio going to look like should you guys prevail on Election Day? Yeah, so besides obviously chairing the Governor's Council, which helps to vet the uh, judicial appointees for judges in Massachusetts, Jeff and I have spoken about our parental bill of rights that we would introduce, and that would be making sure that parents have a say in their children's education. We would make sure that the curriculum was online for parents to see. And if they wanted to weigh in on that, we would change work to change the public meetings, the public comment law, saying that uh, school boards have to give parents a chance to talk um, at the beginning of the meeting and, and share their concerns. And they wouldn't be allowed to shut off their microphones or move the meeting or cancel or keep postponing if they didn't want to hear feedback from the parents. And another big thing that I know a lot of parents in Massachusetts are worried about is we would make sure there was never a mandate for the COVID-19 shot for children entering public school because now that the CDC has recommended that it be added to the childhood immunization schedule, uh, Massachusetts has a tendency to follow CDC recommendations when it comes to required shots for entering school. And we would make sure that the COVID shot was never mandated because, again, it's still pretty new. It's experimental and a lot of parents are uncomfortable with the technology. So you, you talked about the parental bill of rights um, and, and that has to do with parents weighing in on curriculum. There's actually an issue down here in uh, in Mattapoisett, uh, old, old Rochester Regional uh, high, high School, where they are considering if the, if they haven't already pulled some books from the shelves that had to do with racial and gender issues. Uh, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, so what we've been hearing from parents all over the state is that they really don't want these social issues being um, implemented in the curriculum. They'd rather have those issues we talked about at home. Um, they don't want they they want to see academics being focused on in the school system. And I think after the pandemic, and we're seeing that our kids are really behind in core subjects like reading and math, we really need to bring it back to just focusing on academics and leaving the social issues for the home life. Um, so. I think that parents, I'm glad that parents ha had a say and are getting those books removed if that's how, what they feel 
is best for their children. Oh, and the, the thing I forgot to mention about uh, about our parents' bill of rights is that we also want to implement um, expanded school choice. So we want to give parents the option to move their kids around to school districts that they feel are performing better. Um, we want to create more competition among school districts. We would also allow your tax dollars to follow your child if you felt more comfortable having them go to a private school or even homeschooling. And I think that will open up a lot of opportunity for uh, disadvantaged people in Massachusetts and, and really help to make a better future for everyone. Rep. Allen, appreciate you coming on and joining us tonight. Where are you going to be on election night? Uh, we will be at the Boston Harbor Hotel. Well, good luck. Thank good you, luck. You, so, thank you so, for so much joining for joining us. us. Good luck. Thanks so much for having me on. Take bye care. Bye. bye. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. WBSM app is and um, best thing you can do is call later because right. we're gonna we're we're booked up uh, with guests for the hour right. and so I want you to call in um, but we'll have some more time later in the program so if you call in then I, I'd appreciate it I do appreciate you guys your, your calls you'll have the rest of the year yeah you'll have the rest right. of the year yeah I, I wanted to get everybody in front of you guys uh, as many people as I could in front of you guys before election day so we've got Deal uh, Jeff Deal calling in at eight we've got. Kim Driscoll calling it at 820. We've got um, Jay McMahon, Jay McMahon, Diana DiZaglio, Paul Haro, and the Sheriff uh, calling it all calling in in the next. And then we'll have we'll have more time, a lot more time in the nine o'clock hour to right. take your calls because these are all pretty, pretty brief. You know, hey, what's up? Uh, vote for me type uh, type deal. So we wanted to get everybody, like I said, in front of the. We wanted to get as many candidates we could in front of you guys before um, time uh, runs out. So we're, we're going to we're going to take a break. We get back. We'll uh, we'll definitely um, take your we'll definitely take your calls later. All right. So stay in the line.